listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Definitely wanted to do a little bit of a uh, a Monday rant today, as you can see from the title. <laughs> Everybody loves a good Monday rant. It's Monday. Why should we not be ranting? Um, Eric is going to be here. Oh, that's going to be great. That's going to be great. Dylan, good morning. I love you. Um, we have people coming in from all over that have written me. They're going to be a part of the revival this week. I'm really looking forward to that. And we hope to see you guys too. Um, I put out something on uh, social media. What was it yesterday? What was it? it, Jamie, throw it up on the screen. Was he, is he yesterday on uh, watching? I think it was yesterday and uh, it was a misunderstood post. Obviously a couple of reasons why it was a misunderstood post. Number one, most people don't get sarcasm for some reason. I don't understand why I call sarcasm, the intelligent person's humor. That's what I call it. Not everybody gets sarcasm, but I really love sarcasm. Um, But uh, nobody, there was uh, quite a few people that didn't understand it, didn't get it. And uh, I want to talk about something today, not, not the people's response to the, to the post. um, But as we were here, we finished the Sunday morning service and we ate, hung out. I went back to the hotel and I was just praying, preparing, but then I threw on YouTube and uh, I was watching some of my favorite um, preachers. I was watching uh, Pastor Bill Winston uh, speaking. And then I was watching, I flipped over to Bishop Oyedepo in Nigeria. And um, I didn't know what it stood for. They're in the middle of a conference called the IYAC conference, which is, I think, what is their like international, if I might get this acronym wrong, but I think it stands for the International Youth Alive Conference. And um, they were doing their youth conference. Well, I saw that Bishop Oyedepo was speaking, obviously, at the youth conference. And so I, um, I flipped over there and was watching. It was powerful. I mean, it was powerful. I mean, as it always is. Bishop Oyedepo, I don't think I've ever heard him speak when it wasn't extremely powerful. And, um, and so uh, I, I turn it on. And I mean, the church is packed the church is packed. They got like, you know, I know his sanctuary seats 55,000 people and I'm looking at the camera shots of the crowd. It is jam packed with young people. And I just, it kind of cracked me up, you know, because I watched after they had done all the preliminaries and then Bishop Oyedepo came on stage and he walks up onto the stage and he's got his standard, like long suit coat style suit, you know, shirt, tie, dress shoes, And it just made me laugh because it was like, um, you know, I know how powerful he is and I know how impactful his ministry is around the world, but it's, it was so funny to me how different it would be from people who'd think like, if you're going to reach young people, then you've really, you've got to do, you know, this, this, and this to be, to reach young people and to reach the next generation. And, um, that's right, Veronica. And so I was, I was watching it. I mean, absolutely dynamic. I mean, it was supernatural services. And, um, I haven't got to finish the conference yet, but I will. But, um, 
I, as I was watching him, all these things were popping into my head. Um, one, of, one of the things that I was thinking about is that like people think you have to do a certain thing in the natural to become relevant to the next generation. Um, as a traveling minister, I see a lot of things that, that are, uh, you know, around this country, other countries as I'm going to churches. And uh, I've had pastors say stuff too that really makes me laugh. They're like, yeah, you know, my staff is really trying to get me out of suits and ties. And uh, so I was with one pastor one time and he said, you know, we're going more relevant in our church. I said, really? He was like, yeah. So when he came in on Sunday morning, he was like, you know, I don't, he told me this the night before. He was like, you know, we don't really do suits and ties anymore at our church. I was like, okay. Uh, I said, what I, I just, I said, I dress this pretty much the same everywhere I go. So I don't really like change it up too much. And he was like, yeah, we, I've really kind of gone more casual. When I got there the next day, he had on his suit pants and he had on his dress shirt and dress shoes and he had on his suit jacket. It was just, he had taken the tie off and unbuttoned the top button. And I thought, oh man, we've gone relevant in this church. That tie has come off and we are now relevant. Um, and then can you imagine like the ridiculous thought process behind that? Like, you know, I had some Gen Z come into the church, but like they weren't receiving from me. I took that tie off. They started to engage with the service. Like you've never seen a young person engage. It was that tie. It was just like, it was just hindering them from receiving the power of the Holy ghost. I went to another place. The guy said, no, no lie. Same thing. Dress shoes, had his dress pants on, he had his dress shirt on. And had no jacket, sleeves rolled up to the forearm. Looked like a politician giving like a, a speech at like a blue collar factory. And I was like, oh dang, these young people are going to receive from you now like you've never seen. Once you rolled those sleeves up, took that tie and jacket off, get ready for a youth revival. And it's like the stuff that we think in the natural sometimes is so foolish. It's foolishness. I mean... Uh, again, I'm not, this is not me doing a rant on like, you should wear a suit. You shouldn't wear a suit. I had another friend write me and he was like, bro, I know what you said. And, and basically if you didn't know what I said, uh, for those that didn't see the post, let me just read, read you what I wrote. Cause I was just being sarcastic, but I wrote, just saw a pastor in Nigeria preaching a youth conference in a suit. They had 50,000 plus in attendance. Imagine how many he could have reached in a fedora and some retro Jordan ones. Like that's obviously, like there were people that wrote on that and said like, this has to be a joke, right? Like the fact that you don't know it's a joke, I mean, the fact that you don't know it's a joke speaks volumes. But on top of that, it's like, first of all, you should understand it doesn't matter what you wear. The anointing doesn't come on you based upon what you wear. Right? So this is not me going on a rant like, I wish more preachers would wear suits and ties. I don't care what you wear. I had people, I had somebody else write me and said, bro, um, you know, really for me, you know, the, the casual look is like really more who I am in real life. I was like, that's fine. It, the anointing doesn't come on you based upon whether you have jeans or not, or a suit jacket or not. I mean, keep this in mind. Jesus didn't own one suit. Jesus didn't own one tie. So for everybody that, you know, gets all, uh, crazy about like, you know, really, really should, you know, if you, if you want to be in the anointing, really respectful to the house of God, you really need to be in a suit and tie. First of all, Jesus owned no suits and no ties. The apostles owned no suits, no ties. John the Baptist was out in the wilderness 
dressed in like, you know, so people were coming out. He wasn't out there in a suit and tie. He also wasn't out there in skinny jeans and toms with a, you know, a fedora. So, I mean, it, it, people think that, you know, if I'm going to reach them, if I'm going to reach people, I got to be, I got to look. And listen, I get, right. I get that the Bible teaches man looks on the outward appearance. I get that. I get that. And so I, I totally understand that. And it doesn't matter what you wear. Like my friend that wrote me, you know, that that's his flow. He's got Jordans. He's got the fedora, but he's anointed. He's anointed. It doesn't matter if he doesn't wear a suit and tie. He's anointed. God's using him mightily. There's others that watch me. They wear a suit and tie. They're anointed though. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's more about the fact, do you carry the presence and the power of God on your life? Because listen, again, let me make the point. Jesus owned no suits and no ties. So, so understand something. Even when David changed out his garment before bringing the, um, and there's my friend right there, Pastor Mike is in the house. He's going to be over here this week. Minister's going to be in the house. Um, but when, when David, even when, Dave, when David was bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem, right? And he took off the kingly garments or the kingly robes. And he, what did he say? Bring me the ephod. Well, that wasn't so that he'd be more relevant to the people that were watching him. Is that like, people aren't going to receive me in these kingly robes. I really need to, if I want to be really relevant, I need to put the ephod back. No, he was doing it to make a point. Remember, David stood in all three offices of the Old Testament. He was a prophet, a priest, and a king. David was all three. He was a prophet, a priest, and a king. So he was stepping out of his kingly role, and he was stepping into that priestly prophetic role when he said, bring me the ephod. Understanding, this nation of Israel does not need another king. We need a supernatural move of God in our nation. That's the whole reason he went to get the Ark of the Covenant to bring it back with the anointing so that the anointing of God would be back in the nation of Israel again. And so when he changed his clothes, the, the changing of David's clothes was to represent, I'm not acting right now as the king. I'm acting as the man of God. I'm acting as the prophet and the priest right now. And, and I'm putting aside my political abilities and my political power. And I'm showing you that I carry supernatural power and that I'm a man of God. That's what I'm operating in right now. That's the office that I'm operating in. And so <clears throat> when, when he did that, it was a shift in his office or in his purpose. And he was bringing the anointing back. But there was nobody that was watching David bring the anointing back and go like, man, I don't know if I can receive that art coming back up the road in those kingly garments. He wasn't doing it to be relevant. David carried the anointing of God. And understand that the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. And so I, I want you to read with me today, Luke chapter four. I want to talk about this because the fact people didn't understand it, you know, I was being sarcastic, a little bit mind blowing, but the, the, the whole purpose of, of me posting that is to show you, like I made this, I made this, um, I made this point when I was talking about this same thing, uh, uh, like last year. And I said, like, <clears throat> people think that uh, it's all about whether or not the pastor has a suit on or whether or not the pastor wears ripped jeans and a tee or, you know, whatever it might be. Do you think there's any young people at all that may like someone like Jimmy Fallon 
but, but are like, you know, I can't really watch Jimmy Fallon's program on late night because, you know, he wears a suit and tie. I have a very hard time receiving his jokes because he's got that suit and tie on. There's no young person that watches Jimmy Fallon that has a hard time receiving from him because he has a suit and tie on. In the same way, do you think there's any young people that are like, I would watch SportsCenter, but I can't really watch SportsCenter anymore because those guys sit at that desk in suits and ties, and I just can't seem to, I can't seem to receive the updates in the top 10 because those guys, man, if they would wear something else, I could really receive. It's not about what you wear. It's about what are you providing, right? Why do young people or, or people in general enjoy watching things like Jimmy Fallon? Because of what? The content he's providing. They like his show. They like the guests that come on. They like the comedy. Why do people watch SportsCenter? Why do people tune into that to ESPN? It's because they enjoy the content that they're getting. It's because they enjoy what they're learning and what they're uh, taking away from it. It's not about what the people are wearing. And again, What's the difference that changes somebody's life? It's the anointing that's on your life that's changing somebody else's life. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. And I want you to see this about Jesus, which this should be, and that's right, Glenn, uh, Glenn said in the comments, teens receive from people that are genuine. They, they can tell if you love them. They can spot fake a mile away. No question about that. They can spot fake a mile away. And you got to be genuine. One of the things that I hated the most when I was a young person, and um, I guess I'm saying that as though I'm not a young person anymore. Turn 40, I can't even refer to myself as a young person. Um, but one of the things I hated the most, and, and I'm sure it's still the same because people hate this in general, is pandering. I can't stand pandering. Where like people come up and they're, you know, they try to be somebody they're not. They try to talk like, you know, they don't even talk like that in real life. Preachers do that. You know, preachers do that. Like, I, you know, people with the preacher voice. You know, I, I preach hard, but I mean, like, I can't imagine, like, going down to, like, the local butcher shop, like, trying to get some steaks cut for dinner. You're like, I came to tell somebody that if you've got a ribeye, I want it cut an inch thick, and I want three of them. I want you to throw in there some filet mignon. You'd get carried out in, like, a straight jacket. <laughs> you you'd be carried out in a straitjacket. <laughs> People can sense. I'm gonna tell you a couple of things. <laughs> Laura said, "Would you please try that and video it to put on?" <laughs> I will tell you this. I should put it on. <clears throat> There's a pastor in Texas that my friend Brad knows. You can find this video on YouTube. Maybe I'll find it and put it on for like tomorrow. But they put out this thing for your iPhone and for your iPad. Uh, it's put out by, I believe, gospel musicians. And uh, it's called Hoop Triggers. And basically, it's if your church, if you don't have an organist, you can just push the buttons on your iPad. And while you're preaching, the, you, every time you push a button, the organist will play behind you, like something like in that style. So he did a, th a series called Preaching Everywhere. And he took that iPhone with that, lock, that organist thing on there down to... Uh, he took it down to Starbucks and he's, he was like, I'd like a soy latte, please. And he hit the button and the thing started playing behind it. Would that be all right? And the, people, the person at the window is like, uh, yes, that, that's fine. I said, would that be all right? <laughs> oh, man. But 
You know, people don't talk like that in real life. And so people can tell, and some things may be cultural, but people can tell when you're genuine, when that's really you, when you're not trying to put on a front, be somebody else. You know, and that's the thing. You as a believer, when you're trying to reach people, you don't ever have to put on a front. You don't ever have to try to be somebody else that God didn't create you to be. You don't have to do that. You don't have to create some super spiritual persona of, you know, that's like, you know, one of the things that, bo- that bothers me too is like when people, like even if somebody, the pastor asks them to pray in the service and it's like, hey, could you, could you just close the service in prayer? And then they go into this voice that's like not even them. Like you literally just talked to them in the parking lot and you were like, hey, how you doing? Oh, good to see you, buddy. How are you? Yeah. And then man, the pastor asked them, like, Father God, we come to thee now in thy divine presence and we ask thee to talk. It's like, bro, what just happened to you? <laughs> You just morphed into like super spiritual Sammy. You know, it's like, what happened to you? You don't talk like that. Like in the parking lot, I just talked to you in the parking lot. Like, good to see you, brother. We're here at the house of God for Sunday morning. Like, why do do people change their voice when they go to pray? It's a front. They're trying to put on something that they are not. You know, and you can tell when people don't pray like in, in private. And then like, you know, you have somebody that's like asked to pray in public, but you can tell they have no prayer life because like their prayers are just like filled with filler words. You know what I mean? It's like, Father God, we ask you, Father God, right now, Father God, to just come, Father God, and do, Father God, what you want to do, Father God, and touch your people, Lord God. And Lord God, we ask you, Father God, to, it's like, dude, can you imagine if you talked like that to an actual person? It was like Pastor Joe's in the back, you know, in the sound booth right now. If I, I came, I was like, you know, it's good to see you, Pastor Joe. And Pastor Joe, I would just ask you, Pastor Joe, that we could go, Pastor Joe, to lunch, Pastor Joe, and we could fellowship, Pastor Joe. And now, Pastor Joe, would you just, Pastor Joe? It's like, dude, they'd look at you like you were a, a nut job. And you can tell people are trying to put something on that they are not. Trying to put something on that they are not. You don't have to do that. People can tell if you're trying to reach people, one of the things that's why, uh, if you've ever heard this method, one of the, one of the things that, uh, you might be encouraged to do when sharing the gospel with somebody else or with, 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 uh, you know, trying to win souls. One of the things they always tell you to start with is what start with your own personal testimony. Because everybody, even if you're introverted and you don't know what to say or where to go, everybody can tell their own story to someone. You know, this is what I used to go through. This is what I used to battle. You know, this is, this is, you know, I used to be addicted to drugs and, uh, I found this church and I came and the Lord touched me and the Lord delivered me from drugs. I have, I've been clean from drugs for three years. And you know, you, you, you tell your story. It's one of the best ways to start reaching somebody with the gospel is to just tell other people what God did for you. I mean, that's the reason it's so powerful is what it's genuine. It's real. It's what God did in your life. It's not you trying to come up with some super spiritual thing and, and everybody can tell the story of their own life. You don't have to study a message to be able to do that or prepare a message. You're like, turn with me. It's like, you can just tell them. It's like, man, let me tell you, I got to tell you what God did for me. 
I mean, I, my, my life was a mess. Like, no lie, my life was a mess. My marriage was falling apart, and, you know, I was, I was in all kinds of problems. And then uh, my wife and I started going to this church, and we started listening to the preacher preach the Word of God. And even if you weave in, like, one of those turning point services, we're like, you know, I remember the preacher uh, spent... Uh, one Sunday just preaching on what does it mean to be a Christian? And I recognized there were so many uh, um, things in my life that were out of place. And uh, my wife and I, we felt the Holy Spirit drawing us to be saved and we came to the altar. Let me tell you, everything has turned around in our life from that point. Like our marriage uh, was restored and you know, uh, and then you tell, you tell people your story of what God did for you. And as Glenn is saying in the comments, you can't refute somebody's testimony. You can't look at them and say, that's not true. That didn't really happen. Although I have actually had people online, Glenn, how sad is this? I was telling Madeline's testimony story one time on, on a broadcast. And I actually had a guy commenting that like was acting like I was lying about my own daughter, like making all that up. He's like, I don't believe that. He's like, let's see the doctor's reports. What hospital was it? So I can call and get the information for myself. It's like, well, I don't know how smart you are, but like hospitals don't give out information about patients they've had to people that just randomly call up. But like literally had somebody, that didn't really happen. I, but he's making that story up about his daughter. It's like, so there are people that are that dumb. But, you know, when you're just dealing one-on-one -on -one with somebody, hey, I know it might be a close friend, it might be a coworker, might be a family member. Everybody can tell their story. And, you know, one of the things that, um, and, and uh, Johnny Hale, who... Uh, uh, worships in uh, Columbus, Georgia. He's the music director. He put on one of Dr. Bonke's quotes, which I use all the time. And I love this quote from Dr. Reinhard Bonke because it, it proves the point, right? Um, Dr. Bonke said once, bread is always relevant to a starving man. Put that in the comments, write it down if you would. That is, that is a very, very important concept. Please write that down in the comments. Bread is always relevant to a starving man. Bread is always relevant to a starving man. Uh, you know, if, if you looked at somebody that just came out of a natural disaster, for example, let's say you had somebody that um, maybe they were lost in the woods, in the wilderness for seven days, or somebody that just came out of a, 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 an area where there was a flood and they couldn't get out of their house or whatever, and they had nothing in the cupboard. If you rescue that person, if you rescue the person that's been in a, a flood situation, lost in the wilderness situation, stranded at sea situation, whatever it might be, if you bring them back in, whether you pick them up on a ship from the ocean, if you find them in the wilderness, and they're starving, they're starving, haven't eaten in a week, you know, whatever. Can you imagine how dumb you think they're going to come up to you and you say, Hey, we're so glad we found you here. Here's a, here's a meal. We've prepared a meal for you. And you've got one of those survival meals, like, you know, one of those mountain house camping meals you might see at Walmart in the blue bag or like a, a military MRE like that they've packed and they on the spot, they just boiled some water, poured it in the bag and, and made them some, you know, hamburger helper, some mac and cheese or whatever. Do you think a person that's been stranded in the wilderness for, you know, seven days that's starving, do you think they're going to be like, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not like a big fan of carbs. You know, do you think they're going to care that, that they've been stranded for, for seven days with no food and then you hand them hamburger helper and they're like, I'm not really a fan of instant ground beef. Do you have anything that with no gluten? Like they they don't care. They're starving. 
They need sustenance. They need food. They're not going to look at that and say, I'm not like a big fan of mac and cheese. Do you have any like pasta? It's like, dude, they're starving. They need what you have. That's the way you have to look at this. That's the way Dr. Bonke was bringing that point out. Bread, yeah, exactly. Cameron's like, hey, I'm sorry I'm on keto. I'm not going to be able to eat that mac and cheese. It's like, no, you are starving. We found you. <laughs> Can you imagine asking Zach Wilson said, is this MRE free range? <laughs> was this MRE raised with no hormones? Um, but it's so true. It's like, that's the point Dr. Bonke was trying to make was that when you find people that are dying, they're dead in trespasses and in sins. Here, these are people that you don't, listen, though you have to preach against sin, people know their life is screwed up. You know, people know they're struggling. People know that, thing, that things in their life need to get better. You know, everybody, you look around our generation, people are in deep depression. People are in anxiety. People are tore up. They know they need help. There's people that are suicidal. There's people that they're ready to call it quits on everything. Their marriage, their kids, their job, their life. They know they're screwed up. They know they need help. Now, they may not admit it. They may have too much pride to admit it. But internally, they know they need help. And when you come into the anointing and the power of God is present to set you free, and there's a true flow of the Holy Spirit and the word of God's being preached, let me tell you something. It is relevant. It's relevant no matter who you are. I don't care who you are. And of course, uh, we look at, I had you go to, to Luke chapter four because this is something that Jesus read in the temple that made people mad, but this is something that is also true about you and about me. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost seals your salvation. So don't tell me that all Christians don't have the Holy Ghost. All Christians may not be baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues yet, but all Christians have the Holy Ghost or else they're not saved. You can't be saved without the Holy Spirit sealing your salvation. And so um, the Bible teaches here, Jesus stands, takes the scroll of Isaiah, opens it up in the temple. And in Luke 4:18, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's so important. Notice what he said first. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He didn't say that in a suit and tie. He didn't say that in a fedora and some retro J's. He said that as a man 2,000 years ago, probably dressed in a robe, standing in the temple with sandals on. It's, nobody cared what Jesus was wearing when he opened their blind eyes, when he cleansed their leprosy, right? Nobody cared. It's what do they actually care about? Number one, do you love them? Number one, can you help them? Can you help them? If somebody, I've used this, this uh, analogy too. Let's, somebody, let's say somebody slipped into a, a rushing river and they were going down a whitewater rapid style river and they were drowning and you were running down the riverbank and snatched a branch off of a tree and you were holding it out to them 
to grab onto so you could pull them up onto the shore. And they're drowning. Do you think they care what you're wearing? <laughs> like, I would, you know what? He, I, I don't know if he can truly help me because look, look at those jeans. Those are like so old. Those are like three years ago. That's not even in style anymore. They don't care. They don't care that you have jeans from three seasons ago. <laughs> they don't give a, like, they care that you, you can save them from where they're at. And when people recognize, I was listening to Dr. T.L. Osborne, one of the greatest evangelists in the history of the world. I was listening to him talk about uh, what happens to people that are overseas. He said, people are so trapped in uh, sin that they literally have lost their dignity. I had never heard anybody talk about this from the standpoint of missionary evangelism, but he writes about it um, and, and even writes about it in one of his books that one of the things that surprised him early on is that when people would get saved in his crusades, they would come back the next night um, and, and they, had, they were dressed differently and they put themselves together. They looked differently. He said, and it blew, it always blew my mind to find that when people got saved, the first thing that God restored to them after he renewed their spirit, man, was their dignity. People, he said, I've seen people like animals scratching, trying to live in third world nations that have no hope that are in the dredges of sin. And then the Lord saves them and their dignity is restored. The enemy wants to make us like animals, wants to steal our dignity, to steal our, the image of God from our lives. And I watched, he said, as, as people would get saved and they would come back clothed differently, kept up, looking like a, a different person, their dignity restored. You know, it's a mind blowing thing that uh, they were, they were saying that, um, I believe it was Lester Summerall that was writing about this. He said when he was with Howard Carter, traveling around the world, he said they were in nations that were like, I mean, they were in the bush where like they were in the back where nobody had ever seen white people. Nobody had ever been out of that, those regions. And he said they were in a place where they were ministering to a tribe of people that literally um, would just go around naked. You know, they didn't wear clothes. The tribe was just a naked tribe. They would, they would live that way. And um, he said, you know, what was amazing. He, he said, this blew my mind that the spirit of a man knows what to do after, after being saved. He said, we would preach to those natives and he said, they'd get saved. And he said the next night without anybody preaching or teaching on it, the next night they would come back to the crusade with clothes on. How crazy is that? That they would come back. Nobody like got on this. Like now, you know, you got to wear clothes now that you're a Christian. They would come back to the crusade the next night with clothes on even though nobody told them. It's because the devil wants to make people like animals trying to go around. They've lost their dignity. They've lost their worth, everything. And then Christ saves you. And Christ turns your life around, restores your dignity, puts you in position, gives you value, gives you worth. Let me tell you, people need that. People need that. And they need what you carry on the inside of you. It has nothing to do I would encourage pastors. I mean, like, obviously there's a principle that we want to look our best for the Lord, but I would encourage pastors that are, they're feeling all this pressure. I would spend more time wondering, do I carry a strong anointing of, that's manifested upon my own life that I can see the lives of others changed? Am I in position 
to, to, to see God use me in such a way that the captives will be set free. Look, look at this again. The spirit of the Lord is upon me for, for what? For a purpose. But for what purpose? Because he's anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor, to sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, liberty to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to declare the year of the Lord's favor. And I ask myself, am I in position to set at liberty those that are bound? Am I more worried about what I'm wearing or if I'm clothed with the anointing, ready to set at liberty those that are bound? And, you know, for anybody that watches this or listens on the podcast and thinks, well, brother, you know, only Jesus was, had the ability to set at liberty. those." No, no, no. He told the apostles to do the same thing. And you know what he told them? Heal the sick. He didn't say pray and ask me to heal them. He said, go heal the sick. Go cleanse the leper. He empowered them to do it. He empowered you to do it. To set at liberty those that are bound, those that are captives. We are living in a generation of captives. We're living in a generation of captivity. And people need what you carry on the inside of you. They need the Holy Ghost that's on the inside of you. You know, I made that point uh, on social media, even, even using that snarky uh, post, that, that sarcastic post, to make the point that the anointing doesn't come on you. It's not like you're Superman versus Clark Kent. And the moment you take the glasses off and pull off the, you know, you get your Superman outfit. And it's not like, you know, the anointing. Man, I know when I put a suit on and by the time I tie that tie and get it up to my neck, the anointing comes on. It's not about what you wear. It's are you clothed in the anointing? Have you cultivated the presence of God on your own life? Are you in position, right, to be used by God? Because again, hear me, we're in a lost and a dying world. We're in a lost and a dying world that need the greater one who's on the inside of you. Let me just remind you again, the same thing that is, uh, Jesus said about himself, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. Can I tell you the same thing is true about you. And even at a deeper level, you ready for this? The spirit of the Lord is not just upon you. The spirit of the Lord is living in you. Whoo. That is so powerful to think about. The spirit of the Lord is not just upon you, Victory Tribe. The spirit of the Lord is within you. We're living in a different covenant now. Jesus sent the Holy Ghost. And he said, when the Holy Ghost comes, he will live within you. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. He'll comfort you. That's where we are today. Spirit of the Lord. See, when you look at the old covenant people of God, even the prophets, the spirit of the Lord, the Holy Ghost, he would have to come upon them, right? He would come upon them and then he would lift off of them, come upon them and lift off of them. That's not how it happens today. We're not, see, and the reason it had to happen that way back then is because nobody's body was ready to house the Holy Ghost. They were still dead in trespasses and in sins. They were all sinners. Nobody was, a, was saved in the Old Testament. That couldn't happen until Jesus was uh, crucified, buried, and resurrected. But now that he is, and now that he sent the Holy Ghost, those that receive Christ, they become new creatures in Christ Jesus. 
and old things are passed away and all things have become new. So guess what? Now my physical body can house the Holy Ghost and does house the Holy Ghost. So the spirit of the Lord is not just upon you, Victory Tribe. The spirit of the Lord is within you. And now we can say what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, that greater is he that is in me and in you than he that is in the world. Who's the he that's in the world that 1 John 4 is talking about? The spirit of antichrist. That's who? The spirit of antichrist. Greater is he that is in you, Victory Tribe, than he that is in the world, the spirit of antichrist. Everything that's going on in the world right now, this globalist, wicked, antichrist agenda that's going on in the world right now, it doesn't matter what the devil thinks he could think up or plan. What's in you right now is far greater than anything that's in this world. That is the Holy Ghost. Whoo, hallelujah. That's the Holy Ghost who's on the inside of you. And he's greater. He's greater than sickness. He's greater than disease. He's greater than wicked plans of the enemy. He's greater than bondage and addiction. He's greater. So now that you have the Holy Ghost, you are actually empowered to release that Holy Ghost to somebody else. You have the power to release the anointing into somebody else's life. Woo, glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Put it in the comments today. I am anointed to free the captives. Put, literally put that in the comments and don't forget it. I don't care if you got to write that on a post-it note and stick it on the mirror in your bathroom and on your refrigerator and on the visor in your car so that everywhere you go, you see it in front of your face. I'm anointed. I'm anointed to free the captives. And you are. It's not just preachers that are anointed to free the captives. No, no, no. It's not just preachers that are anointed to free the captives. Every believer is anointed to free the captives. Hallelujah. Every believer is anointed to free the captives. Amen. And I want to show you that when you are anointed and you are, that anointing within you is like a substance. It is a substance that can be released into somebody else. The Holy Ghost. It's like a substance that can be released, imparted, if you will. And, and of course, you know the story in Mark 5 of Jesus pressing through the crowd came a woman who had been dealing with this issue of blood for 12 years, right? 12 years. And here she comes believing for a miracle. And nobody knew she was there. Jesus didn't know. The apostles didn't know. And she reaches out her hand. And what does she do? She touches just the hem of his garment. Because she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. That was her faith. And so what did she do? She reached out and touched it. But when she did, catch this, her faith made a withdrawal on the anointing that was inside of Jesus. And he felt it. And he said, who touched me? And the disciples were like, what do you mean? Look at the crowd. They're all trying to touch you. He said, no, no, no. Somebody touched me by faith. I felt virtue go out of my body. Glory to God. I felt virtue 
go out of my body. And the Bible says that virtue came out of his body, got into her body. And if you look at Mark chapter five, the Bible says, and from that moment, at that very moment, the fountain of her blood dried up. That's Mark chapter five, if you're taking notes, verse 29. Mark 5, 29. The Bible says, and immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. What just happened? She withdrew virtue from Jesus' body. I'm encouraging you with this today. There's virtue in your body. There's virtue in your body. People forget this. Often we go through life and just think, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm just another sinner saved by grace. Don't make that confession. That's not who you are. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. And now you are filled with the mighty power of the Holy Ghost filled with the power of God. And that same divine nature, get this, get this, that same divine nature that raised Jesus from the dead, Romans 8, 11, dwells in you and is now quickening your physical body. Woo, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. And is now quickening, making alive your mortal body. Hear this, hear this today. There's virtue on the inside of your body. It is the Holy Spirit. And he is there not just to quicken you, but to empower you to minister to somebody else. And the reason I'm doing this rant today is because there's been so much uh, that's been made of the outward appearance. There's been so much. Now, it's not, I'm not saying that to say, just, you know, look like a fool or look how, no, it's not about that. Should I look, should I do my best to look my best for the Lord? Yes. Yes, I should. And I try to do that. But understand, that's not the uh, origin of my anointing, or it's not the origin of whether or not I'm relevant to my generation at all. At all. Now, let me break this down. Though man looks on the outward, the outward is not what's going to change their life. So where do we find that passage of scripture? When Samuel, the prophet was sent to Jesse's house, to find the next king of Israel, which was David, right? David, but Jesse lined up his oldest sons first. Look at these boys. Oh, Samuel saw them and said, man, these are strong young men, handsome young men. Man, this, this must be, this must be the next king. The Lord said, nope, it's not him. It's not him. It's not him. It goes right down the line. All seven brothers. It's not him. It's not him. It's not him. And Samuel recognizes, oh, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And finally they bring David in. Oh, this is it. This is the one. This is the king God has chosen. Notice his father didn't even choose him. This is, this is something important to get. His father didn't even choose him. His father left him out in the field. Think about how sad that is. That Jesse heard the prophet Samuel's coming to your house to pick the next king of Israel. And Jesse pulls all of his other seven sons into the room and leaves David out in the field, as if to say, 
if some, if one of my sons is going to be King, it's not going to be David. So even his father didn't believe his father looked at the outward appearance. Even Samuel almost fell into the trap of judging by the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. So notice though David was ruddy, the Bible says, and handsome and you know, whatever, it wasn't his outward appearance that uh, made him useful to God. It wasn't what he looked like because they didn't even believe in what he looked like. Had nothing to do with that. When he stepped onto the battlefield and, and decided to fight Goliath, what did Goliath comment on? You're going to send a boy out here to fight me? You're going to send a boy out here to fight? I'm a seasoned warrior. You're going to send this little nobody out here to fight me? He looked on the outward appearance. Big mistake. Big mistake. See? And so here's the key. So much is made about the outward appearance. Now, though people do look on the outward appearance, it might be something that catches their attention, but it's not going to be what changes their life. It might be something that catches their attention, but it's not what's going to change their life. What's going to change their life is what's in you. What is in you? Too much. See, and here's the problem. In our generation, there's been a lot made about the outward and almost nothing made about the inward. We've, we've strayed away from the anointing of God, even in church services, even the way that our churches function. We've put more uh, stock in, in what things look like, what the minister looks like, all of that. We've put more stock in that than we have on what does this church carry? Is there an anointing here? Is there a presence of God here? Can people be changed here? Is there a manifestation of God's presence here? That's what's important. That's what changes lives right? And of course we want excellence in every area. It doesn't mean we, it's not either, or it's not either you either got to look hip or you got to be anointed. No, it's not about that. It's not either, either, either your, either your church is old fashioned and, and, and traditional and anointed, or it's one of these newfangled churches with the smoke and the mirror. And it's not about that. It's not either, or it's, and you can do both. You can have excellence in presentation. You can have excellence in the way things look. You can have excellence in your systems. You can have excellence in your production, your tech, and your equipment. You can have all that and still be anointed. Whether or not I got blue lights behind me does not determine whether I'm anointed or not. Whatever camera I'm using right here does not determine whether or not I'm anointed. Did you catch that, Zach? I did the point. And the quick autofocus. The, the, text, the tech doesn't matter. It's just a means to get you the message. That's all it is. The, it, the camera doesn't matter. The, 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 the lights, who cares? But is the anointing touching you? Is the word of God going forth? Is the power of God on you? See, that's the difference. And that's what we need to look at. Because that's the only thing that changes lives. It's the power of the Holy Ghost that Jesus sent us. The name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the Holy Ghost that's been sent, the word of God that's been given to us. That's what changes lives. Hallelujah. That is what changes lives. And you're anointed. I encourage you today. You carry the power of God as a believer. That Holy Ghost is on the inside of you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so, I can't even begin to tell you how thankful I am for the Holy Ghost. Can't even begin to tell you how thankful I am for the anointing of God. Without, see when I was growing up, we would sing songs of consecration and songs that let us remember that it's not about us, 
It's about Jesus. When I was growing up, there was a song we'd sing. Without him, I can do nothing. Without him, I'd surely fail. Without him, I would be drifting like a ship without a sail. And that's the truth. That without Christ, we're nothing. Without the Holy Ghost, I'm nothing. I was dead in trespasses and in sins. I was a slave of sin. I was a child of the devil. And then what happened? Christ purchased me by his own precious blood. The only reason I have any value or any worth is because Jesus imparted worth and value to me by making me a new creature in Christ, by pouring the Holy Ghost into my life. That's the only reason that I have value. So I recognize without him, I would be nothing. Without him, I'd surely fail. And when we keep that in, our, in the front of our mind and in our spirit, that it's the Holy Ghost in me that makes the change. It's the fact that I'm connected to Christ by his body that makes the change. Has nothing to do with how, what I look like, how I sound, if I'm hip enough. Are you full of the power of God? Are you full of the power of God? And I can tell you this, as we come to uh, what, what will end up being here just in about a month, the final quarter already of 2022, I'm believing God's going to ramp up. You know how we do in this ministry. We don't slow down. We believe that the final quarter of the year, we ramp up. We call it an on-ramp into the new year. And I've already got a word for you for 2023, but I'm not going to release it yet. But I already, I got a word of my spirit that's going to shake us. But this is our year of divine possession. We're going to have what we've never had. We're going to do what we've never done. We're going to go where we've never gone in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to pray for you at the end of this broadcast that as we get ready to ramp up at the final quarter of this year, that God is going to use you more than he ever has. He's going to open doors for you at your job, with your family, with your loved ones to say what needs to be said, to bring them into the kingdom of God, that their hearts would be softened that these would be the most productive four months of your life that you've ever seen in Jesus' name because you're yielded to that Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of you, who quickens you, who encourages you, and who uh, equips you for the work he's called you to do. So Father, I'm praying right now for every person watching me, every person listening to, to me. I pray, Lord, that we would have a greater awareness of your presence that lives on the end. We don't look at ourselves as the old person. We're not sinners saved by grace. We're not some old beat up duct taped Christian. We are new creations. And so now Lord, I ask you that in these last four months of 2022, that you'd open doors of opportunity. Let this be a time that we would see production increase, souls saved, people delivered, like those that we're working with that are battling many of them addicted to substances like nicotine, alcohol, prescription medication, some pornography. Let us be those, as Jesus said, that bring deliverance to the captives in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that not one of us would be able to zone out from reality, that, that we wouldn't just be walking through life like zombies and ignoring those who are in need of your presence and your power. But I pray in Jesus' name that you'd give us a new compassion for the lost, Give us a new compassion for souls. And I pray, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, that you would give us a heart for your heart, which is the eternity that people will face one day. And let us see that urgency because time is running out that we must see them come into the kingdom before it's too late. 
Empower us, Lord, with a new favor upon our lives to do the work you've called us to do. A new grace from this day forward. We thank you, Lord. We give you praise for what you're using us and calling us to do. In Jesus' mighty name, I thank you for the Victory Tribe. I thank you for those that are connected to this ministry, those that are praying for us, those that are sowing towards this ministry. Lord, increase them so violently that people would stop and look at all that you're doing and wonder how it's even possible. Bless us in that kind of a measure, Lord, that people would wonder how are we that blessed. It's because of our faithfulness and dedication to the kingdom. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you, Lord, and we give you praise. And if you believe it, somebody shout amen, throw some hands up, throw some fire up in the comments section if you know it's coming to pass for you in Jesus' name. You may have heard me just mention the Victory Tribe. And uh, if you've not uh, partnered with this ministry, would you consider standing with me and Carolyn and believing God with us that this final generation would be shaken by the power of God like we've been talking about today? Would you stand with us and sow something on a monthly basis? I don't know what it is that you can do where you're at today, but do something that takes faith. Do, do something that takes faith because we need all hands on deck before Jesus comes. We're not pulling back, we're moving forward. And so you can go to miracleword.com and you can click the partner page and see all that we're doing and stand with us, stand with us today and sow your seed. Um, for those of you that are sowing in the month of August, we're going to be sending you this powerful book by Pastor Mark Hankins, The Bloodline of a Champion, The Power of the Blood of Jesus. And so for your gift, I don't, whatever it is that you're sowing in August, we're going to send you this book. And if you'd like to receive it after you've sown your seed, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer. And you can fill out the form. Let us know exactly where to send the book and uh, we'll send it to you. It's our way of saying thank you for partnering with us. Jay Adkins in the comments said he's only going to stand with Carolyn. He'll not stand with me in this ministry, but he does stand faithfully behind Carolyn's ministry. And we appreciate that. Love you, Ted and Ashley. And so uh, however you decide to sow your seed, whether that be by PayPal, Cash App, Venmo, Zelle, uh, credit card, debit card, cryptocurrency, however you'd like to do it, we say thank you. Thank you. I truly believe that we've got some of the best partners in the world. And I want to say this in October, if you're standing with us in partnership, we have a victory tribe homecoming weekend that's coming up in Allentown, Pennsylvania, October the 28th and the 29th. Jenna's been making calls. Some of you have already been RSVPing. We want to see you there. It's going to be amazing. Friday night, we're having a revival service, Saturday brunch together, hanging out. And I've got some huge announcements to share with you uh, regarding Miracle Word Ministries. Cannot wait to show that to you. Um, all week, we're live here at Life in Christ Church, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I want to see you here, man. If you can get here, get here. All the information's on our website. We've got people driving in from other places, and uh, we'd love to have you as well. So if you go to the website and check out the schedule, you'll get the address, the times. If there's no way you can get here, we're live on all platforms every night at 7 o'clock Eastern time. If you're in another country, that's New York City time. And uh, join us online if you can't join us in person. But we would love to see you. Frank's going to be here on Wednesday. Uh, Pastor Mike, I think, is coming on Thursday. Uh, Liz is coming over this week. It's going to be so great to see you guys. Very, very excited. It's time for a road trip. 
Come and be a part of Revival before the summer's over. I'd love to see you uh, very much. I love you guys a lot. Thank you for hanging with me today. I'll be back live with you all day, all week this week, same time, 10.30 a.m. So you can jump on with me and uh, join me live. I love you. Have a powerful day. And I'll see you again tonight. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.